we are continuing in our series. Our theme for 2012 is we are. And uh, we've been examining different aspects of this understanding that we are. And uh, we are now uh, in this series called We Are covered by his promises. And uh, in this series, we've been examining the book of Psalms and looking at the various Psalms and what these Psalms give us in terms of instructions and precepts and the promises uh, that are contained in these Psalms and how they can apply to our lives and how we can um, uh, use them in our going out and our coming about uh, in all the things that we do. And so in Psalm chapter number 68, we're only going to read a portion of it, verses uh, one through six. Um, as we look to this theme this morning that we are a family, we are a family. And um, in Psalm chapter number 68, it begins actually uh, with one thought and it begins to transition into uh, this second thought in verses four through six. Um, but we'll see how the writer is contrasting be- between this initial notion of letting the enemies be scattered and then moving into this notion of uh, the positive aspect of what God does for us. And so recognizing that we are a family in Christ Jesus, we begin to see of how God builds his family, both naturally and spiritually um, in the kingdom. And so uh, what we're learning today is that by God's sovereign designs, one of the ways that he provides for our needs is by placing us in natural and spiritual families so that we can minister to one another and thereby experience joy and happiness. Um, and so we're going to talk a little bit about that. And even as we um, celebrate Mother's Day to tie, Mother's Day today to tie that in. Uh, let's look at Psalm chapter number 68, beginning at verse number one. May God arise. May his enemies be scattered and may his foes flee before him as smoke is blown away by the wind. May you blow them away as wax melts before the fire. May the wicked perish before God, but may the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. May they be happy and joyful. May they be happy and joyful. Verse number four, sing to God, sing praises to his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds. His name is the Lord and rejoice before him. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads forth the prisoners with singing. But the rebellious live in sun-scorched land. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful, Lord, as we uh, come together this morning to recognize the fact that we are a family in Christ Jesus. Lord, thank you for our earthly mothers and fathers, Lord, that you brought into our lives. And Lord, uh, thank you for those of us who are children uh, of those mothers and fathers, Lord, who have made an impact on us, oh God. Father, thank you for uh, the privilege uh, and the responsibility that comes with being a mother and a father. And Lord, thank you as we recognize that part of your plan is that through the families that you have given unto us, Lord, you've desired that it would bring joy and happiness as we trust in your plan and as we recognize that you've brought us together to minister to one another. Father, I pray that even as I share this message this morning, Lord, that you would open my heart, Lord, to be able to um, speak and to share all that you've deposited into me. Lord, that as I speak, I would speak with clarity and accuracy, Lord, to reflect your wonderful truths that are contained in these scriptures. Lord, uh, what we are not this morning, Lord, would you make us? What we have not, would you give us? give us. Lord, what we know not, would you teach us? In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. There is comfort in knowing that something is a part of God's design rather than a product of mere chance. Uh, If you've ever looked at something, it makes it a little more easier when we know that something is part of the design that God has intended for something to happen. God has intended for something to take place. And when we really understand the beauty of God's design, it helps us to appreciate 
some of the things that God brings to us. Uh, when we talk about families and think about families and God's design, we recognize that families are like jeans. They come in every shape, shape, size. They come in skinny jeans, long jeans. I mean, they got all kinds of jeans. They got bell-bottom jeans. They got all different types of jeans. And in the same way, we have all different types of families. And some of us grew up with large extended families. Some of us grew up with smaller families. Some of us were only children and we liked our family. Some of us had a large number of children and we loved our family and we had different dynamics that we had to learn to work through. And what we want to understand as we look at this scripture here in Psalm chapter number 68 is that a part of God's design is this notion of family. Uh, and when we think about family, uh, immediately some of you are thinking about your, if you have siblings, your brothers and sisters, um, if your parents are around, you think about your parents on Mother's Day, you're thinking, oh man, I, I got to make sure I call my mother before the end of the day, or, you know, I got to make sure I go and, and do these various things. Or if you are a mother here, you're saying, all right, my son or my daughter better call me and make sure that they know, you know, wish me happy Mother's Day, a brunch would be nice. And so if Pastor Joseph finishes the sermon early, then that'd be even better, you know, I mean, so, so we have all these things that are running through our mind. But God's design is not only just the natural family, but also he uses this notion of family in representing what we are as the body of Christ. He calls us a family, the body of believers. And so when you look to your left and to your right, I, I love it. Um, uh, Pastor Lane, so who many of you have met, uh, uh, who spoke at our first Founders Day weekend, uh, one of our good friends, uh, his name was Brian Lane. And so uh, both of them had the same last name. Well, Pastor Lane, uh, as you happen to know, was African-American and Brian Lane was a Caucasian. And uh, he'd always say, this is my long lost brother. And so, it, it, uh, you know, the first time I he was like really serious. And I was like, oh, okay. I don't know how that happened. And so, um, but what he was representing was the fact that we have the same earth, uh, same spiritual father. And so what ends up happening is that when we think about family, we not only think about this notion of our natural family, but we think about the person who's sitting next to you. Look at the person next to you. They're, they're a part of your family. They might look a little different than you might look, and that's a good thing, but they're a part of your family. And, and that's great that we have people from all different places, nations, tongues, and tribes, and we can all say that we're a part of the family of God. We're a part of the family of God. We've got the same spiritual father. And so in Christ Jesus, we become one. And so when we look at this notion of family, we want to examine what does God, why does God place this emphasis on family? And why does he use the analogy of family even when he talks about how the body of Christ operates together? And there's an importance that I believe God wants to communicate to us as we look at this scripture here in Psalms this morning. Well, let's look here in Psalm chapter number 68. And at verse number four, you begin to see as a psalmist, he started off with his talking about enemies, but then he transitions from talking about enemies to now singing worship unto God. Uh, it's it's not unlike many of our prayers. We start off with our prayers usually with something that is really on our mind, and usually it can be uh, uh, initiated by trouble. It can be initiated by annoying people. It can be initiated by lack of resources. It can be initiated by any number of things. And one of the beauties that I love in the Psalms is that usually, however, the Psalm starts off, it usually starts off with David in some place where somebody has done something or he recognizes what he has done. But then by the end of the Psalm, it turns to represent and to look at God in light of all that was taking place. And so in Psalm chapter number 68 and verse number four, it says, sing to God, sing praise to his name extol him who rides on the clouds. So it starts off with this notion of talking about enemies. Now he's getting into this place of singing. Well, why is David so excited? Why is he singing? Why is he singing praises? Why is he extolling? Uh, to extol means to praise enthusiastically or to praise highly. It means to celebrate, to glorify, or to magnify. Uh, the idioms that were used to express that, it means to beat the drum for or to make much of. 
You know, you know what happens when you're celebrating and, uh, and what does the MC do before an artist comes out on the stage? They're, they're celebrating. They're trying to get the crowd into represent. All right. The, the artist is going to come up and, and they're trying to make celebrate whoever is going to come and bring the presentation. And here the psalmist is not simply talking about extolling the next greatest artist. The psalmist is not just talking about we're transitioning from one one presentation to another presentation, but he's saying sing to God, sing praises to his name, extol him who rides on the crowd. His name is the Lord and rejoice before him, rejoice before him. And so we're asking what is about God is so worthy of being celebrated? What is God? What about God is so worthy that he's saying extol him? What about God is saying, hey, let's praise him exuberantly. What about God is saying praise him enthusiastically? And he begins to talk about this one nature, this one aspect of God's character and nature. And you see in five through six, he begins to contrast. He's a father to the fatherless. He's a defender of widows. He's a, uh, 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 is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads forth the prisoners with singing. He's contrasting these things of where you would not expect that someone who is fatherless, you would think they've lost all hope. They just will never have a father. But then here, the psalmist says, he's a father to the fatherless. He's a defender of widows. I mean, I was amazed to see, even in some of the latest statistics, as they talk about elder abuse, and that's actually within the legal field, one of the biggest areas that is growing because we have so many of the baby boomers who are now growing to of age, and you'll be amazed at what people will do even to their own mother and to their own father. Uh, there was a story that was being told to me about someone who was helping someone who was elderly. And instead of uh, they had given them power of an attorney. And so instead of doing the things that they asked them to do, they were trying to use the house and other resources for their own gain. And there will be people who will abuse even elders. You'll, you've heard some of the news stories of um, people in nursing homes who have been abused and everything else. And so you see here, he talks about widows, those who may have been widowed and, and widowers. And he says that this person is a defender of the widows. So what is he talking about? Because he's talking about celebrating this God. And he's talking about a, uh, this God who is a comforter, who is a deliverer, and who provides. He's talking about we can celebrate and praise him exuberantly because we recognize that when you may feel in the place where you're fatherless, you still have someone who will be a father to you, even when you're fatherless. I can add that. Maybe you don't have a mother. I mean, maybe your mother's not around and you can say, hey, he's a mother to the motherless. He's a father to the fatherless, to those who are brokenhearted. He's a mender to those hearts. What it represents is God's comfort and strength. And when he affirms about God's comfort and strength, he says, I can praise him exuberantly. I can exalt his name because I recognize that I am not alone in this journey. And even though on this earth, it may seem that I'm lacking what the natural system of things that we would like to have, the ideal. And and even as culture begins to transition and tell us what the new modern family is, we recognize that in God's eye, he is able to be the all sufficient one. No matter what we may have here on earth, he is all sufficient and he's able to comfort us and provide. The central theme that I want to highlight this morning as we think about this is we look to verse number six and it says, God sets the lonely in families. He sets the lonely in families. Now, uh, our initial reaction to this as we're reading through this psalm may be quickly to glance over this phrase and say, well, I ain't lonely, so I don't need to even worry about that aspect. You know, those people who uh, talk to themselves at South Station, they lonely. I mean, I'm not lonely. Those people, you know, who go on to Jerry Springer, they're lonely. You know, I'm not lonely. 
Guys, we might say those women who are always thinking about things and all these things, they're lonely. We're not lonely. But what we have to recognize is that if we kind of cut off just because we see this aspect of God setting the lonely in families and say, oh, man, this doesn't apply to me. We'll miss out the great and wonderful truth that the psalmist was trying to communicate. You see, because what happens here is that this notion of God setting the lonely in families, it represents this contrast between a need and God meeting that need. Even when we thought we were in a place where we would have no provision to be in a place of health and wholeness. God was making provision. When you were fatherless, God was being a father to the fatherless. When you couldn't defend yourself and you were a widow, God was the defender of the widows. When you're in prison, you're usually not singing songs unless it's, I wish I could get out of here. I mean, you're not usually just singing songs of exuberation and joy, but he says he puts even in prisoners songs of joy. And so when he begins to say that here, he sets the lonely in families, he's contrasting the need and the provision that God is bringing. Now, I mentioned this whole notion of understanding that we are a family and God gives us these natural and earthly families and also our spiritual family. And, you know, one of the things is that many of us, we've gone through our biology classes. We've understood we've had the talk with our parents or parents. You've had the talk with the children and told them this is what, you know, happens. And I remember I, uh, I was talking with someone else and we were like, well, what actually is the birds and the bees? I, I, I don't know the actual story. And uh, we just know it's the birds and the bees talking. And so, uh, you know, this whole aspect of we understand this process or the biological process by which children are birthed into this world. And what we need to see is that God had a design even in how he chose for us to come into this world. Uh, if you were like me, I, I, I said I learned the story of uh, 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 Joseph and Mary. And so when I learned the story of Joseph and Mary and, and the Immaculate Conception, I was thinking that, well, that's just how conception happened. And so I thought God was kind of like this person with a wand. And, you know, whenever he wanted to go around, he'd go and tap somebody on the head and boom, they're pregnant and they got a baby in their in their belly. And so, uh, you know, this this notion or understanding, I mean, think about it. God, if God is all powerful, he's sovereign. If he wanted to, he could have chose that as his method of bringing children into the earth. I mean, if God wanted to, he could have he, he could have had to skip the whole nine month process. I see some of the ladies are shaking their head. Yeah, God could have just looked at a piece of dust. Boom. Automatically three year old child. I mean, you can I mean, you, you can skip the whole breastfeeding. You can skip the whole bottles, skip the whole diapers thing. You know, God, God could have done that. Or in other notions, God could have, you know, some of us have thought God could have literally used a stork, brought us over and just dropped us. Here you are. Here's a new baby. But God, by his sovereign design, he chose to use human vessels, women who would carry those children, those babies. And so we would get to the place where we would be birthed into this earth after a development of nine months in the mother's womb. It was a part of God's sovereign design that he would use another human being to be a part of bringing you into this earth. And so what we need to understand is that many of us, we live life in the notion of, I don't need anybody else. I don't need to deal with anybody else. All I need to do is worry about me. But you didn't come into the world that way. So how are you just going to do everything by yourself? You didn't sit before. I mean, think about this. This makes no sense. How before you were formed in your mother's womb, did you tell your mother's womb you're going to conceive of me and be birthed? But yet that's how some of us operate. We're so great. We have everything in our control that we can even tell a womb before it is formed, be formed and be me. It doesn't work that way. It was by God's sovereign design. 
And God gives us families, both natural and spiritual families, because it's a part of what God was intending to do so that we would have the joy that he desires for us. We would have the provision that he desires for us, and we would be able to accomplish all that God designed for us to be. I remember as a, as a child growing up, one of the things that my mother, she used to say things that, you know, when you're a child, uh, the things that your mother say are not as profound as she thinks they are. And, you know, I, I was just like, you know, uh, uh, really, are you going to say that to me? And I remember she used to say to me that, you know what, you're like a diamond in the dirt. Still a little rough, got some good size, but you need a little chiseling. And so she was glad to help in the process of chiseling. She was glad to help correct me in order that I may grow. And what we need to recognize is that that growth process and the things that they are doing, it is to help us to get to be what God has designed for us to be. There are great gifts, talents, skills, and abilities that are all throughout this room. Both for those of you who are parents and those of you who are children of parents, uh, children of your parents, you recognize that they have an impact in helping shape and form you. And the goal is that you would grow to be all that God has designed for you to be. So what do we do? We recognize that in our mothers and our fathers in our loved ones and in these families, both in the natural and in the spiritual sense, that God is doing something and he's providing for our need. Well, let's look. And I just want to share this morning with you three aspects of why God sets us in families and why this notion of our understanding of the importance of family is illustrated in the scripture and why the psalmist talks about this aspect that God sets us in, sets the lonely in families because God was doing something. And the first thing we need to understand is that God sets us up in families because he loves us. He sets us up in families because he loves us. Now, love is more than an ability to just give us what we want. Love is an ability to discern what we need and to make provision based upon that need. Uh, You know, uh, in certain stages of my life, my idea of what love meant was simply based upon what did I want? You know, and, and, you know, and, and now I'm on the other end as a parent. I recognize that I'm relating to Nehemiah in terms of how he loves me in the aspect that he, he thinks if I give him candy, then that's more love. I really love him on that day when I allow him candy and cake. But on the days where I made him make him eat his vegetables, I don't love him as much. But the reality is that love is beyond just giving what someone wants. It's discerning what they need. And making provision in that area. That's a good place to say amen. Amen. And so what we need to happen and what we need to understand is that our culture is, has said is that true love is going to give you what you want and fulfill every request. But love that comes from God will see beyond just the this day and this day and it will see the longer picture. When some of you think of your mothers, you think of some of the things that they have done for you. And when you didn't understand those various things and when my parents would say those statements where I would think, Mom, what are you saying? Why? What are you talking about? And, uh, you know, my mother used to always tell me I had an answer for everything. And as she was saying that in my mind, I was thinking, I don't have an answer for everything. I just, you know, like to say a lot of stuff. And so as I had an answer for what she had to say, even in that very moment. And so, you know, I recognized there were certain things that my mother said that at the time she said it. I couldn't appreciate it. But then now as I'm growing and I'm applying those things into my lives, into my life, I recognize that what they were saying was helping me to grow. Some of you are parents. You're now speaking to your children and they're looking at you like, what are you saying, mom? That doesn't make sense. But keep on speaking because what is happening is that as you're speaking, you are instilling into them things that they will need. And it may be 10 years later that they're reminded of the fact that they, that you told them that they're like a diamond in the dirt. But they recognize they'll get it one day and they'll understand. And God sets us up in families because he loves us. And out of that love, he's not just giving us the family that we want. He's given us the family that we need. And some of us, we look at our families and it's very easy, kind of like the Cosby show. I mean, how many of you here, when you were watching the Cosby show, wish that uh, uh, Mr. Huxtable was your dad? (laughs) 
I mean, you, you know, Cliff Huxtable was the coolest dad. I mean, he was a doctor, he chilled, you know, I mean, he was just cool. He danced and, I mean, he was cool. And we love to see, man, if I was, if, if I was, you know, one of the Huxtables. But you have to recognize that some of you, you've got your families and you're wishing that it was Cliff Huxtable, but God has given you the family that you need. And he's done it out of a love for you. What does that mean out of love for you? What he's done is that he's seen the need. He's seen what you need. And he's brought you those who are there that are part of your family, both natural and spiritual. Let's look back in the Genesis account because I want you to see how this uh, picture is illustrated. Even in the beginning of time in Genesis chapter number two, it's the story here as we see the creation account. And then it begins to talk about Adam and Eve. And what is so amazing in this account here, as we read in Genesis chapter number two, Genesis chapter number two and verse number 18. Well, if you back up to verse number 15, it says the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must, but you must not eat from, uh, um, excuse me, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil for when you eat of it, you will surely die. He gives them an instruction and then look at verse number 18. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. The first part we see here is that the Lord God said, this represents his care. The Lord took time to not only see what was going on, but the Lord God says, I'm going to make a declaration that I see that there is a need that is represented here. And he says, and God said, the Lord God said, and then the second part he says is that it is not good for man to be alone. This represents God's awareness. Some of us live out throughout life thinking that God is oblivious to what is going on in our lives. But there is nothing to which God is not knowledgeable about. And he knows exactly what is going on. And he says here, I recognize it is not good for man to be alone. He knew he created man and he knew what man needed. Then the third part, what did he say? I will make a helper suitable for him. This represents God's ability to be aware of the need, to care for meeting the need, and then to actually provide the provision for that need. He saw that man should not be alone. He took time to talk about it, and he took time to provide for it. So when we look and fast forward to this aspect Here in Psalm chapter number 68, when God says God, when the psalmist says God sets the lonely in families, God cares. He knows the need and he's provided for the need. And when we think about family being a part of the provision that God has given us, we recognize that, wow, that brother of mine that I can't get along with. Wow. That mom who sometimes says stuff that, you know, you wish she wouldn't say. Wow, that dad who can be the disciplinarian. Wow, that family that I wish was bigger or smaller. That God knows the need and has provided for the need. And not only has he provided for it in the natural families that we have, but he's provided it in the spiritual family that we have. And so what God says is that we are to value this notion of family, not only just our natural brothers and sisters uh, that we have may have, or but also our extended family, our spiritual family. That's why when you come to Mars Hill Fellowship Church, one of the things that we are very intentional about is being a family church. And not only literally that we welcome families, but also that we are operating like a family. It's great. I mean, it brings me no greater joy than to see. I mean, sometimes I'm thinking at the end of service, it's like four, three thirty, and and we're like, how did like service ended early? I was like, I finished early. I preached good. I was done. <laughs> and how was it three thirty? And we're still here, and people are just hanging out. We're just talking. We're just hanging out with one another, enjoying one another's company. You know, isn't that what like family is? 
We could just hang out with one another. You could just sit down and before you know it, you're like, oh my goodness, it's time to go back. I, I got to go back and do different things. And that's what God is designing as he says, God has set the lonely in families. And recognizing that God has set the lonely in families, it recognizes that God is doing it and he gives us uh, other people in our lives, not simply because he wants us to be annoyed by them. He's given them to us to help us because he knows the need. He loves us. And out of that love, he has provided. Well, not only does that happen that God gives us families because he loves us. But the second thing we have to recognize is that God sets us up in families to minister to one another. He sets us up in families to minister one another, both on the natural and the spiritual level. I mean, it's interesting to see family dynamics play out. And I had the pleasure of uh, uh, going to the graduation celebration for uh, Simone Ford, uh, who's a member here. And her family was in uh, as she was graduating. And just to see, though, I mean, the family dynamics. And it's interesting because the first time that Pastor Ophelia saw me interacting with my family, she saw a whole nother side of Pastor Joseph. And so, I mean, there's all these different family dynamics. And one of the things that the reasons that the Lord has set us in families and, and he recognizes that at the innate part of us, we say, well, I'm not lonely, but all of us have that need. All of us have a need to have relationship with someone else. And God sets us up in families, both natural and spiritual, in order so that we may minister to one another. And so if you are here trying to walk the Christian walk as a lone ranger, you're missing out on the provision that God has given unto you. Some of you have discounted some people, uh, not just on the natural side, but you see some of the people in Mars Hill Fellowship Church and you've discounted some of them saying, I don't need them. Now, the people that look like me, the people that act like me, the people that do the things that I like to do, I can take them. But the people that are a little different than me, maybe they're doing things different. Oh, I don't need them. But God set us up, even the body of Christ, to minister to one another. And how do we minister to one another and support one another? Well, ministering to one another, it doesn't mean that always as we're together, it's always fun enjoyment in the sun. It doesn't mean that every time we're together, we're laughing with one another. And those are great times, especially we know what that happens in the natural family. But sometimes the way that we minister to one another is through discipline and correction. That's why God puts parents in families. Discipline and correction is an important part of helping us grow. You don't believe so? Just wait till those people who have not been disciplined turn 18. (laughs) Just wait till you have to manage them on your job. Just wait till no one has told them that they need to get better at some things and they've only been coddled and told that even though they're at 277 out of 200 out of 350, that they're still number one. Just wait till you have to manage them. Praise God. (laughs) Thinking about some situations. But God places us here in these families to support one another. He's given us the family of faith under our our common father. And we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. And sometimes it's easy to point out the flaws that are in families that and not to realize that maybe the reason that God puts you in that family was to be a light to others. You see, it's very easy to recognize the parts of the family, both natural and spiritual, that you can appreciate and gain something from. It's very easy to appreciate the mother that's always around. It's very easy to appreciate the father who helps you out when you need money. And it's very easy to appreciate those who give you stuff and say, man, I really appreciate what they bring to my family. But then you look at the ones who are the ones who are always calling you up and saying, do you got five dollars I can borrow? (laughs) The ones who are always when they come over, you're just like, oh, my goodness, they're going to eat all my food. When, you know, when the family's coming over, you're just like, all right, hide the food, make sure, you know, we got stuff put away. Maybe you're very neat and you got the family members who are not so neat. Or, you know, in another life stage, maybe, you, you know, you're the family with, uh, with no children and, and then the family with children come on over and you're like, oh, my goodness, they're going to break up all my house. <laughs> we are at one of our neighbor's houses and um, uh, they had not they they have a child on the way and they had not yet baby proofed their house. And Nehemiah was with us. And uh, at that age, he was still exploring and he's still exploring, too. But uh, but he was just exploring all over the place. And they're like, oh, wow. No, don't get that. Don't, you know, and so like every place they're going they they're like, oh, my goodness, we're going to have to baby proof this house. 
But we look at those and sometimes we think, oh, well, you can take them or leave them. Maybe some of the people that you look here, oh, man, why do they worship so loud? Why during worship? They always got to raise their hand. I'm sitting next to them. I can't even have any space. Don't they know that their seat is right here? Why do they have to go? And, you know, they're swaying everywhere, pushing you out into the highway. (laughs) Then you're looking at the people, you know. Why? Why? And we look and, you know, the same in the natural that we see our family. We do it with the same in our spiritual family. We look and say, oh, man, I, you know, they can they can just come a little later, you know, in service. <laughs> Messing up my worship. I was just going in and then they came along. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> and, and, and we have these ways of responding to that. But do you know that maybe sometimes God, it's not that you are you are going to always receive from them, but maybe sometimes God placed you in that family, in that setting, because you have something to bring to that family. And parents, you begin to understand that because at some point you realize, hey, I got to stop being just my child's friend. I got to be their parent. And at some point in the family, you have to recognize that there are some people that you're not always going to get everything from them. You're there and God has placed you in there because there's something that you have to give. And so when God sets the lonely in families, sometimes it's you who are the lonely one. And sometimes you're the one with the lonely family member and he sets you there. Either way, we need one another. God sets us up in families to minister to each other and to minister to the needs of one another. And what is so amazing in this is that as he does that, we begin to see that the family is operating in a healthy way because we're meeting the needs. And so where someone lost hope, where someone was thinking I was not going to make it, where someone of us may have said, man, I'm fatherless. Maybe I'm motherless. Maybe I have these situations that are going on. God brings these people and he meets those needs in unique fashions and unique ways and ways that you never thought God was able to ever going to be able to do it, but God does it and he uses you. Isn't that amazing? He brings children into this world and he uses the natural things in the same way he uses each and every one of you as vessels to help improve both the natural and the spiritual family. Well, the last thing we see here as we begin to think of why does God set us in family and he sets the lonely in families is that God sets us up in families to find joy alongside those who join us through the journey of life. God sets us up in families to find joy alongside those who join us through the journey of life. You know, one of the amazing things about God's design for family, both natural and spiritual, is that it is rooted out of God's desire for us to be happy and joyful. I I, I am baffled by the fact that so many aspects, and especially in this generation, is that we think that everything that God tells us to do is simply a burdensome task that he is doing it for. God is just the ultimate killjoy. He's the father who won't let you go sleep over at your friend's house. He's the mother who's always telling you, I raised you this way. Don't be doing these things. We tend to look that when God instructs us, he's just simply instructing us in order to do something more task that has no purpose, no plan, no reason whatsoever. But when you look at what the psalmist was saying, he recognized that the Lord sets those in families and he, he's doing these things and he's singing for joy because he recognized at the end of it, he is desiring that those who are the righteous, who are following after God's instructions, that they would be ever happy and ever joyful. Look at that there in verse number three, Psalm chapter 68 and verse number three. And it says there, but may the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. May they be happy and joyful. Do you know that God actually wants you to be happy and joyful? I mean, I know for some of you, that's a shock that God actually wants you to be happy and joyful. And the way that you do it is not by trying to create your own joy. But the way that you do it is that you follow his design and follow his provision. And so when God brings someone into your life or something into your life, you don't just say, what is this? 
This is what you want me to be happy and joyful with? A younger brother? A younger sister? You want me to be happy and joyful with the person who messed up my worship? And the Lord says, yes. I brought you together because ultimately in my plan, there is joy and happiness there. And if we can get out of our mindset that God is trying to kill our joy, we would be able to enjoy some of God's provisions instead of trying to have manufactured fun. Uh, You know, it's amazing to me that, um, you know, growing up, uh, my parents had this rule about listening to FM stations. And so we couldn't um, listen to FM stations. And some of you may have grown up in households where that that was a a custom aspect. But uh, my brothers, uh, some of my older brothers were uh, into uh, other music that would be played on FM stations and uh, um, uh, rap music. I ain't going to name the artist because y'all going to be like, woo. Pastor Joe. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, it was interesting because they had, we had kind of, it was kind of like this signal, you know, it's like, all right, when mom and dad leave, knock on the table, you can bounce the music. But as soon as you see mom and dad coming down the street, coming back to the house, you got to, you know, send the alert signal down the street. So they know, turn the music and, you know, back to AM, put it on news radio and just kind of like not let them know that you were listening to what you were listening to. And, and, and you know, what would happen with that is that uh, you know, one time I think my brother thought that my parents were gone out the house. And so all of a sudden you just hear the radio blasted and EPM. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, there was an artist who was playing <laughs> and you just hear the bass going. And then I hear my dad coming and my dad has his hammer. And I'm like, what is going on? And all I hear <laughs> is this sound of things like cracking. And I go downstairs later and see the radio is all cracking cracked up (laughs) and he had taken a hammer to it now the reason I tell you that story I'm going to remember in a moment (laughs) oh wow (laughs) praise God Joy and happiness. <laughs> Joy and happiness. So the reason I tell you that story is to recognize that even though we may think that some of God's instructions are burdensome, even though we may think some of the things that God has asked us to do don't make sense, there is ultimately something that God is up to. And in this aspect of God setting the lonely in families, God being a father to the fatherless, God being the one who is a defender of the widows. It's so easy when we are in situations to think, God does not know what I'm going through. Why would God allow that to happen? Some of us who may have grown up in two-parent families, uh, households, we're excited about the fact that we had a mother and father who were there. We we had the, the Huxtable family kind of household, and we're thankful for those. But there are some of us who say, oh, man, I wish I had that. I wish I had a father around. I wish maybe... My mother was around. I wish that maybe my mother wasn't an alcoholic. Maybe I wish that my father didn't abuse my mother. Maybe I wish all these different things. And, you know, it doesn't have to be that whatever our story is, that it means that that's the end of what God is doing in our lives. Because even when you didn't have the nice Adams family, the Huxtable family, the two parents, two car garage, the tree, not Adam's family, I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe we didn't have the Huxtable family. <laughs> but even when it seems that life has dealt us, a situation or cars that maybe we thought, man, I would have loved this situation to be this way. Maybe you were like me and thinking, man, I'm the son of immigrant parents. Don't they know I'm living in America? Let all that foreign stuff go. There was, there, there was, there was rules and regulation. It was kind of like the consulate. You know, it was like, when you got to my house, it was Ghana. Everywhere else, it's America, but in the house, it was Ghana. And there were certain expectations that came alongside with that. 
And some of us will look at some of our family situations and we'll wonder why. Why did the Lord allow that to happen? Some of us are parents now and we got children who are talking to us and say, why did you, why did that happen? Some of us may have even gone through separation or divorce. And wondering, maybe the children are wondering, what's wrong with our family? Why is it different? But we have to recognize that throughout every life circumstance, no matter what we may, it may seem that we're missing or no matter what it may seem that our family's not normal, God knows how to place us and build us both in the natural and in the spiritual, that he's given us a family. I think the, the thing that I want you to understand is that we need one another. We need one another. And even sometimes you're thinking about, well, I don't need them because they're not bringing anything to my life. Well, have you ever thought about the fact that you were supposed to bring something to their life? And so in the instance where we look at all those who are around us, and it's great when we can celebrate mothers, but some of us were just like, oh, my mother, take her or leave her. And I, I'm not trying to be funny, but I, I'm being serious because some of us, we've gone through some situations where it's hard for us to honestly say, I can celebrate my mother. I can celebrate my family. But I want you to know that even in that stage, God knows how to order and to orchestrate every part of your life for his glory. He sets the lonely in families. It's part of his design that he's got given us families. And it's part of his design that he's called us together to operate as one. I close with this. In Isaiah, it tells of this story and it says these words, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, the Lord says, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. You see, when we recognize that God has not done things by accident, but every part of his plan is engraved on the palm of his hands, you'll recognize that even the family he brings me into, both naturally and spiritually, even the places that he brings me to, Mars Hill Fellowship Church, it's not by accident places he brings us to even with those we interact with at work and in our neighborhoods God is doing something he's up to something the question is will you trust him we're a family every shape size color every temperament every age bracket every challenge spiritual family Every expression, every tongue, every background, every challenge. Some more spiritual, some less spiritual. Some more outward, some very quiet and reserved. But all necessary because we need each other and God created us to minister to each other. Today as you celebrate Mother's Day, I pray you call your mother. She's, she's still on this earth. Make sure you call her. Make sure you send her greetings. But above that, recognize it's not by accident that God chose those who he brought into your life. It's not by accident that some of you have wandered into Mars Hill Fellowship Church. Literally, there's some of you who were just literally walking down the street and saw a sign here and said, let me go check it out. Two years later, you're still sitting here. <laughs> a part of Mars Hill Fellowship Church. It's not by accident. It's by God's design. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I just want to pray for you. And I, I, I want to pray because I recognize that in the midst of all that I've shared today, that many of us are at different places. Some of us are at places where we're thankful for all of our family members. We, we have great relationships with our family members. But part of our challenge may be that we need to recognize the spiritual family that God has given unto us. 
And some of us on the other end, maybe we're coming from, <laughs> we, we, we might think, of, you know, if they put dysfunctional family, a definition, they'd put a picture of our family. <laughs> or maybe we've been in some dysfunctional church families. But no matter what family background we may come from, we need to recognize that it's not by accident. God has set us in families. He's brought people into our lives, some of them hurting, some of them in really great places. But it's all a part of his design. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I thank you that you, <laughs> well, you're awesome, oh God, Lord. Lord, even as David started thinking about all his enemies and uh, may his enemy, may the Lord's God's enemies be scattered. And, and as he thought about all this aspect of the enemies, he began to transition his thought to not thinking about simply those who were against him. But he began to think about those who were for them. He began to be reminded, Lord, that you are a father to the fatherless. Lord, you're a defender of the widows. Lord, you're the one who sets the lonely in families. You see, it's very easy for Lord for us to acknowledge and say, well, I'm not lonely. I don't need anyone. But Lord, we recognize that even you said that it is not good for man to be alone. Lord, you saw that need and you made provision for that need. Thank you, O Lord, because even in this day, in this hour, Lord, you've made provision for our need. And Lord, one of the ways that you've made that provision is through our natural and spiritual families. Lord, I thank you for our natural families. And Lord, I pray for, Lord, families that are represented all throughout, Lord, this local region. And Lord, those who are both near and far, Lord, we pray for them, Lord, the extended families, oh God. Father, we even pray for those families who have lost loved ones, oh God. And Lord, even at this time, it may be hurt and, and there may be challenges, Lord, even as we think about Mother's Day and, and these holidays that come along. But Father, in the midst of all of these things, I thank you that even when it seems, even on this earth, that we're missing things and somehow we've just been dropped into here, dropped into place. Father, I thank you that you never, Lord, are, Lord, unaware of what is going on in our lives. You know every need that we have. You know everything that we have need of. And Lord, how great is your love that you not only give us what we think we need, but you give us what we, you know we need. Father, thank you for your love that extends beyond our ability to do everything right. Lord, thank you of how great your love is that neither height nor depth nor things present nor things to come, neither angels nor demons, nothing in all in all means shall therefore separate us from the love that is found in Christ Jesus. Father, thank you for that level and that depth of love that you have for us. Lord, I pray that we'd be consumed with your love that would teach us to recognize that it's not by accident, but it's by your design. Lord, when sometimes we take for granted some of the things that you place into our lives, let us be reminded it's by your design. Let us be grateful and thankful for those that you bring into our lives. Help us to recognize even how we may be of service to others, both in our natural and our spiritual families. I pray for even those who are beginning families, Lord, those who are entering into this place of marriage. I pray, Lord, that you'd even teach them, oh God, Lord, what it is to build a godly family. Lord, for those who are parents, even right now, I pray that you continue to instill in them how to raise up their children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Lord, and for those who, even at this point, maybe they desire to have families at one point, Lord, you will teach them, instruct them in the way that they should go. Help them to be all that you've called them to be. Help us to be a spiritual family that supports one another in every endeavor that you've given unto us. We give you glory. We give you honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.